welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. You know, when you start to fall in love, you start to do some silly things. Or am I the only one? You know, when it was too much of a burden to drive across town to get a carton of eggs or a gallon of milk, now your Twitter paid and you're willing to drive across California just for one glimpse of that sweetheart. Or am I the only one? Thank you. A thousand miles, whatever it takes. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Young people, children, you're dismissed to your class. Go have some good church back there. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Brother Lucas. Thank you, Sister Cindy and our praise team. I honestly could just sit here and listen to y'all play and sing that over and over and over again because falling in love with Jesus is what I really want to do. I just really want to love Jesus with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, all my strength. Praise God. So thank you all for coming back. Those of you who are returning, this is the second night of our uh, financial freedom. Uh, last week, we, we hit the highlights of, of what we need to learn in order to find financial freedom is learning how to be content. If we can't find contentment in our life, we'll never find freedom because we're always going to be chasing that whatever it is. We've got to learn how to be content. We've got to be okay not being the head of the class. We've we got to be okay with not being the trendsetter. You know, I was, I was joking with my wife just the other night. It's like, I should have kept them green bell bottoms, Brother Jose. Back, I used to wear green bell bottoms. You all didn't know that, huh? If I still had them, I would be the one setting that trend right now. Um... It's so what you end up doing when you don't have a whole lot of money as a kid. You just get hand-me-downs from several generations before. I do have to say I was the only one wearing bell-bottoms in my high school at the time. It made me very popular. <laughs> not in a good way all the time. So we talked about being learning to be content, not loving the things of this world. We don't want the things of this world to drive us into financial bondage. Uh, we want to find financial freedom. And it, it's a wonderful thing about the Word of God. Every problem I've ever dealt with in life, every single one, the Lord has provided an answer and a way out in his word. Whether it's financial freedom, whether it's a bondage addiction, uh, whether it's uh, uh, relationships, how to make things work and how to fix things that are broken, the word of God will help us. And I encourage you, if you are struggling with something, or if you're, if you're wondering what I need to do to get out of this situation, get into the word of God. Because I'm going to be honest with you, this lesson I'm teaching is four and a half hours long. I cannot teach that everything and give you all the scriptures that the Bible has about finances in an hour on last Wednesday and an hour tonight. I can't get it. So if you're just wondering, just wanting to get your victory from the two or three passages of scriptures and, and 45 minutes of teaching that we can give you on a night or on a Sunday, you, you might struggle. But if you will dig into the word of God yourself and find out what the word of God has to fix your problem, to fix your situation, to get you out of the mully grubs, then you will find victory in Jesus and that will never depart from you. You'll never forget that moment. 
You'll never forget that moment. So we got to learn that to get financial freedom, we got to learn contentment. We got to stop loving the things of this world and trying to be uh, the one that's keeping up with the Joneses. And then we finished up last week talking about tithing, where we give a tenth of our of our increase, our first fruits. Now I've had a lot of questions, and I'm, I'm thankful that there's questions being generated because at least somebody's listening. <laughs> you know, some people don't listen, and then they wonder why they're having problems financially. Well, you don't listen. There's listening and then there's obeying. Right, we got to listen to what the Word of God says and we got to obey the Word of God. And if you will put those things together, uh, you will find that the Word of God will speak to you and guide you down the financial freedom path. And I think everybody in here wants to get there. I think everybody wants to not have to lay down at night worrying about the bills, worrying about the finances, worrying about what tomorrow's going to hold. Just go to sleep and not worry about money. There's other things that we could be worrying about. We don't need to worry about money. I mean, it, it's just... There's other things we could worry about. So we finished up with tithing last week and paying a tenth on our increase of our first fruits. And it's very important. Um, I kind of broke it down a little bit uh, about why, why the gross, why the first fruits. And, and John, uh, Matthew 6.33, it says it right here, that seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If we, if we, if we take the bottom number on that pay stub, all those deductions that are being taken out, if you boil it down, that's for you. Those deductions are for you. And if you take off the bottom number, you just put yourself before God. Because you're giving to yourself the first fruits. And you're giving God what's left. And that, to me, some people think that's insignificant. And that doesn't really mean much because you're still giving a 10% of what's left. But you're giving what's left. And God will honor the first fruit principle that he teaches all throughout the word of God. The first fruits is very important to him. From, from Genesis, the book of Genesis, God has wanted to be number one in our lives since creation. That is why we are here, so that we would have a number one God in our lives. And when we put other things in our life, no matter what that is, that take his place, he can't bless us the way he wants to bless us. Because there's a hindrance, there's a block, there's something between us and him, a void of our own selfish desires and wants. And other, what some people call demigods or false gods that we praise and worship with all those stuff we do. So it's very important that we understand tithing because that is where you'll find yourself being very blessed. Uh, Malachi, we talked about last week, it talks about robbing God. And in the book of Malachi, God says, you've robbed me, children of Israel. said, how, how, do, how can we rob you? And he says, you've robbed me because you haven't been paying your tithe and offering. So there's a dual number, there's a dual word there. It's tithe and offering. It's just not tithing. So we're going to jump in tonight to understand what the offering is according to the word of God. And again, I, I, I apologize, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to be able to hit every scripture. Um, I, I, I tried to get through as much as I could last night teaching, and it, was, uh, it probably went longer than I should have went. But, but I want to capture the points, but I just I want to reiterate, the Word of God is so full of delivering messages. If we will just get in there and study it out, and you could, once you study it out, you're like, this is so clear. Don't take my word for it get into the word of God. And once you study it out and you follow that trail, that trail on whatever that topic is that you're wanting to, like financial freedom, God will lead you down that path. In Exodus chapter 30, 13 through 16, uh, it says, this they shall give everyone that passes among them that are numbered half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20 gerars, whatever word that is. And half shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. Does anybody know what a shekel is? How about, yeah, yeah, that's good. How much? If I ask you to give me a shekel, 
you could probably give me anything and I wouldn't know the difference because I don't know what a shekel is. And there's not a good understanding and clarity in our modern day monetary lingo that's what defines what a shekel is. But if we continue on, it says everyone that passes, everyone, everyone that passes among them that are numbered uh, from 20 years old and above shall give an offering unto the Lord. The rich shall not give more and the poor shall not give less. So what does that mean? If you're a bazillionaire, Brother Nichols, God expects an offering. If you're a negative bazillionaire, McKenna, God expects an offering because he says the rich can pay it and the poor can pay it. So I've had many people ask, well, what do you say, Brother Chase? Well, what I say for myself is I give 5%. The Bible doesn't say 5%. It says the rich can afford it and the poor can afford it. So what I tell people is pray about it. Pray about it. Ask the Lord, what, what do you want me to give? And then look at your bank account and see what you can give or your, your checking account. Uh, but what I do encourage you is going back to Matthew 6, The first principle, first fruit principle. If you have a million dollars in the bank account and you throw a buck in the offering plate, he has no respect for it. And you're like, oh my goodness, that's so wrong. What did Jesus do when he was in the temple? The rich people came and threw their money bags in the offering plate. He just blew them off. But when the widow threw her might in, he stopped everything and says, that's honorable right there. I respect that right there because she's giving out of her need. And these people gave out of their excess. So if, so if you're, I, I use this uh, example uh, at our other campus. If, if, if you're giving $5 into the offering plate or you put $500 in the offering plate for a year, but you go and drop $5,000 on season tickets to whether it's a sporting event or Disneyland or whatever you put before God, then your priority in your heart's not right because you're not seeking the first fruits. And you want to make sure you're seeking God first. So, again, whatever you can afford, but make sure that you're not just throwing your change in there, what's left over. God honors sacrifice. He honors giving, and he wants to be first in your life. So, again, for me, um, I, my, my target for offering is 5%. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, there's times that that 5% is a sacrifice. Uh, but that's my bottom line for me and my family. That's where our bottom line is. And, and, and I always strive for more. If it's just 1% more, if I can get to that 6%, if I can get to that 8%. Why? Because on Sunday we showed a video of us, this church, this campus, buying a pastor in the Philippines a motorcycle so he can expand his ministry. Over there, that's huge. That's like you're buying somebody a car with GPS to all the hungry hearts in this city. So it's huge that they can just expand their, 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 their ministry throughout the city by just having a motorcycle so when i see that when i see our kids in the philippines getting school supplies and food and, and clothing because of our change for change giving it just makes me want to give a little bit more because god is doing a work and he's using us and the financial blessings he's given us that we give back to him to bless other people so offering is important and we don't want to rob god by not giving our offering unto the lord and then when we give our offering let the lord use it let the lord use it don't, don't handcuff God, let the Lord use it, and let, God, and let the church be blessed and the people be blessed. Now, this is, a, this is one of my favorite things to talk about, and I can go into many, many hours on this topic, but, <clears throat> but my question to you is, should we pay taxes? Hmm. Hmm. Should we pay taxes? We should. And I've told people that if, I mean, I had somebody, 
uh, in the back of the room back here got in an argument with me about why they're not paying taxes and they won't pay taxes. And I was like, well, I can get in the word of God and tell you why you need to because you need to obey the word of God. But if you don't want to pay taxes, don't ever let me hear you call 911. Figure it out yourself because that's where our tax money goes. Don't let me catch you driving on my roads because that's paid for by my tax dollar. So you got to think about it. We're paying taxes for an infrastructure that's giving us some comforts in life. If you want to know what it's like not to have an infrastructure, go to where Pastor and Brother Garza just came from. Go, go, go to Ecuador. Go, go to these places where they don't have that infrastructure because the money goes elsewhere. So what does the, what does the Word of God say? What does Jesus say about paying taxes? Uh, Matthew twenty two seventeen through 21 says, Tell us, therefore, what thinketh thou? Is it lawful to give tri- tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought, it unto, brought him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. Then he said unto him, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Matthew seventeen twenty four through 27. And then Peter, uh, and when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money, or tax collectors, came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? Why isn't your master paying taxes? And he saith, yes. Peter just arbitrarily said yes. I'm wondering what would happen if he would have just arbitrarily said no. But he said yes. And when he was come to the house, Jesus prevented him saying, what thinketh thou, Simon? That, that's, it, it had to be tough being a disciple because there's nothing hid from Jesus. Wait, there's nothing hid from Jesus now. Um, where was I? And, uh, of whom do kings of the earth take customer tribute? Of their own children or of the strangers? And Peter saith unto them, of strangers. And Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. Go thou to the sea, and cast a hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened its mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. Take that, and give unto, give unto them for me and thee. So hanging out with Jesus got peter's taxes paid for those of you who know peter he was the businessman he was a fisherman he had the business jesus took care of him just like jesus is going to take care of you i had this unfortunate i think i testified about it right when we were doing our missions giving you know our missions pledges we pledged to give for missions and i was like man i was so excited i was like pastor this is so great god's doing going to do a great work and I think the next day after getting all happy, sending pastor that text, my wife called me at work and she says, what happened? And I was like, where? <laughs> it's quiet here. She says, I'm at the tax office. What happened? And I was like, I don't know. She's like, we owe taxes. I've been paying taxes in California since I was 18 years old. I've never had to pay more than what's taken out of my paycheck, ever. I've never had to give the government more. And I don't say that breakingly. I just, I haven't. Praise God. I'm thankful for that. Well, I was kind of stirred by that, so I, I, I left work on time instead of staying over, and I went and met my wife and the tax lady at the tax office. And uh, I sat down in the chair, and the first thing's out of the tax lady is, like, what did you do? It's like, I don't know. What is it, 100 bucks, 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks? What, what is it? We owe taxes. Okay, what, what, what happened? And she didn't know what happened. Um, looking through our taxes, she doesn't know what happened, but she says, you don't owe 1,000 bucks. You owe over $7,000. Now, at that point, I could have got mad at God because I just... Gave all this money to the Lord, right? I didn't get mad at God. 
I trusted in the Lord. We gave what we gave to the Lord, and, and the Lord took care of that. He provided the funds for us to pay the taxes. Now, I still pay my taxes. I'm not in hiding. I'm probably live someplace right now. You know, FBI could be watching me right now. I paid my taxes. The check cleared the bank. But it's important. And there's more scriptures in there that talk about paying your taxes. And, and Romans talks about being subject to the higher powers. Um, for there's no power higher than God, but there are powers that God has ordained and put in place to be over us. And we are to honor that. And this is one, this is when Paul is writing this, when they were under the subjection and servitude of one of the most wicked emperors in Roman history, Nero. The one that would stick Jewish people, Christians, on poles and light them on fire to light his garden, and then he'd ride his horses through that. Guy's wicked. And Paul's saying to them, you need to pay your taxes. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty tough. I, I don't know if... I, they, they were being told that or their kids were being taken from them and killed in front of them. And Paul's writing letters to, this is what you need to do. When that Roman centurion asks you to carry his stuff for a mile, carry it too. That takes a lot of... That takes a lot of Holy Ghost. When these are the people that are punishing you and, and putting you in slavery, it's, 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 it's hard to do. But if you're unwilling to, to pay your taxes, then, you, then you're going to suffer the consequences of that. Don't blame God when they come knocking on your door. Just like if you break the law, don't complain and say, why me? Well, you didn't follow the rules. And our God is not like the society we live in today where rules don't matter. Our God still follows the rules. He's still honorable about his word. His word will never be broken. His word will never change, which is the wonderful thing about this word and not the words that are in this world because the words of the world are changing like daily. Daily. But this will never change. So you bank on it, and when it comes down to that final hour and we're standing before the judgment seat in heaven, this is the only word he's using. Jesus ain't going to see if we're woke. He ain't. He ain't. He's not going to care about that. He's going to care about what the word says. And, and it's sad because in this society, there's, there's not free speech anymore. So you can't say um, truth anymore because people get their feelings hurt. And if people's feelings are hurt, then they just say you want to shut you down and say you can't talk about that and do all kinds of horrible things like they're doing all over this nation. It's a whole different story. I could preach us a freedom on that one too, but that's a different, different subject. So we are to give freely. Um, we should look to the Lord for our giving and not give grudgingly, but out of love to our Lord and Savior. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 says, But this day I say, which, uh, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according to his purpose and his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. I can break that down in Iowa translation. If you don't give to the Lord, don't get mad at the people that are receiving from the Lord. That's basic 101. If you give to the Lord, God will give you back. Now, you may be thinking it's got to be money every time because you gave him money, but it may be the salvation of a loved one. It may be the healing of somebody that's in the hospital on their deathbed that God raises up because you gave sacrificially. So you don't, don't, don't handcuff God when, when you give unto the Lord. Don't handcuff and say, I got to have it this way, God, because he may be trying to heal you or save your family, and you're going to say, okay, that, that's what you want. They'll be lost, but I'll give you 10 bucks. So we got to let God be God. And we got to give freely. We got to we got to be cheerful. We got to be joyful uh, because God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always having all sufficient in all things, meaning you'll have all things 
and you'll abound in every good work. So by giving faithfully and by giving bountifully, you're going to reap in every good work. You're going to reap in every good work. Proverbs eleven twenty four. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meet, but it, it tendeth to poverty. Uh, if you if you are very tight fisted, it's going to be hard to get gain. It's going to be hard to get gain. The, the the one servant that took his one talent and hid it until the master came back, he ended up in bondage because he did not take his talent and multiply it. The other two servants they multiplied it and they were well done thy good and faithful servant. So we need to multiply the talents we get financially and physically and spiritually. If God has given you a talent to do a work in the house of God, you should be doing it. You should be doing it. Uh, Don't be sitting on that talent because that talent could be what opens up the door to great revival in this city. No pressure. No pressure. Proverbs 11.24, one man gives freely yet gains even more, another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. I, I... Brother Price was telling me a story one time about his, I think he's got a sister or something that lives down south or a brother or something that lives down south. He went down to visit and he was telling me, he's like, I got down there and I said, you're paying for my plane ticket back. I was like, well, that's okay. <laughs> that's pretty cool. And he explained to me that, that the family had went through the depression and did not want to spend money. So they hoarded money and they had money and, and they were willing to let go of it. And Bishop Price was the opposite. He gave money to works all over to help people out. And it was the comparison of those that hold on and are afraid of things in life and are closed down and and, and guarded uh, to someone that would just open up his home to some Iowa boy that's in the military out here, right? Just opening up, opening giving because because he did that, many lives have been changed. Many lives have been blessed because he, he lived with an open hand. And he gave. So there is a difference. Um, so give, give freely. Give, give out of a cheerful spirit. Uh, this uh, Luke 6, 38, this is the one we like to sing about and talk about and stuff. Give, and it should be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom? Woo, let's stop. <clears throat> That's what I want to hear. But it goes on to say, For with the same measure that ye meet or pay out, with all it shall be measured to you again. So if you're cup is empty financially finish that scripture finish the scripture a lot of times we get to the part we like and then we just stop because we know that we have an if and then god if you'll do this then i'll do that and we don't like to always start about with the if we just want the blessing right so we got to finish the scripture to find out how we get that blessing the bible says that we are to lay up for our children all the children say amen praise god You'd have been jumping all over that, Brother Vinny. That's Bible. That's Bible. Second Corinthians twelve fourteen. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. So it, it, there's Bible principle for loving your children and leaving something for them and not leaving them the debt. I know too many people that have gone on to the other life, whichever life that is, and left a pile of debt for their kids. And going into that, knowing they're going into it, they just said, I don't care. I'll be dead. 
but you just violated the word of God. I don't care what side of the fence you're on. This is what God goes by. You dishonored your children by dishonoring the word. Lay up for your children. Proverbs 13.22 say, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Now that might be tough. I mean, I'm going to lay up enough. My daughters might be able to go to Chick-fil-A. If they split the nugget meal, they might be able to go twice. But we're to lay up for them. We're supposed to leave them an inheritance by Proverbs 13.22. So it's okay for for parents to to leave something for their kids uh, to into the next life or their children's life. And children, it's not okay to you try to expedite your parents going away. Amen. Amen. And I, I laugh about that, but that is actually a real thing in today's world. I, 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 can't, I cannot believe that people can mentally think that I'm done with my mom and dad. I'm going to euthanize them. And that's legal to put your parents to bed and get their inheritance. How wicked have people become? So it's on both ends of the spectrum. We are living in a very deceitful and wicked generation, and people are believing these lies that are coming out of the medias and, and, and these people that are being loud and protesting. They are of the devil. They are of the devil. Anybody that goes against life is, a, is for the devil. Anybody that supports the lies is of the devil because the Bible says if you're a liar, your father, the devil is your father. So we've got to understand the word of God is true and it will never change. Now, we're going to talk about loans. How many of you owe somebody money? Got one. We got two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, twelve, fourteen, eighteen. Can I get twenty? Can I get twenty? So that tends to happen in today's world where things are so expensive, where you find yourself having to take out a loan. The problem is most of us, I I shouldn't say most of us in this room, most of the people outside of this room are in debt with things they don't need. Let me, I'm going to take a drink, let you all think of that. And we have to understand that there's some basics to loans that people really don't understand. They just don't understand. Romans 13 says, Owe no man anything. It doesn't say, try not to. It says, Owe no man anything. Now, if I was this other financial teacher that just sold this 10 point two million dollar home I could stand up here and say never borrow money again because he's a millionaire it's really easy for people who are rich to stand firm on their doctrine of loans when they have just gobs of money I mean I was very blessed to to have a a grandfather when I was very young and I wish he wouldn't have died so soon he died when I was six but he had a business mind when 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 he died when I was six years old he had done all kinds of things. I found an article about him about how he started the bank. He was the he came up with the finances to start the bank in his hometown. He would he would load up the horse and buggy and he'd go out into the middle of a storm to help sick people. He wasn't even a doctor. He just, this article was just amazing. I was like, that's my grandpa. 
But he was so financially wise, Sister Cindy, that when my grandmother, who was in a wheelchair since before I was born, died in 2015, maybe, 2016, I can't remember the exact date. When she died, she still had almost a half a million dollars in the bank. And she never worked a day in her life. That's all for my grandpa. I wish he would have lived another 10 or 15 years so he could have taught me that stuff. Because he did something right. So he did something right. So he was the one that had the, the money to lend, but he was not the one lending or being having to borrow money. So owe, man, owe no man anything. That's in Romans 13, 8. But to love one another, and for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. If you owe somebody money, you might not love them. Especially every month when you got to write that check or go give that money. You're like, why did I do that? It's their fault. And we always like to blame human nature is to blame everybody else. It's their fault that I maxed out the credit card. If they didn't have a sale at Macy's, I wouldn't have bought it. And we blame everybody else. Brother Chase didn't teach us a year ago, so that's why I'm in debt. It's my fault. I'll take the blame. But we have to understand that in Proverbs 22, 7, the rich ruleth over the poor. And the borrower, which those that had their hands raised, is a servant to the lender. That lender owns you. Until that debt is paid, they own you. And there was a, uh, several years ago, uh, there was several lenders that were going to people's houses and say, you're out of here. We own that house because they were the lender. They owned that title. They owned that house because they owed the mo- they had the money on it. So they own you. We need to pay our bills on time. Pay back those who, have, uh, who we owe according to the agreement set forth. We do not have a right as a Christian to default on our loans. The Bible doesn't allow it. Now, we may have had that happen, but... The Bible says, owe no man anything. And then it continues on that in Proverbs, withhold not good from them whom it is due. When it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto the neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give, then thou hast, hast it by thee. Romans thirteen seven says, render therefore to all, all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Psalms thirty seven twenty one: the wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy. And giveth. So it has that statement in there. They bought a group of people, the Bible calls the wicked, will borrow money and they don't pay it back. I worked with a person who decided that he was just going to live carefree and he went and lived wild and reckless with his credit cards. And he went into a bar and he drinks are on the house and he slammed his credit card down in the bar and maxed his credit card out buying drinks for the whole bar. And three weeks later, he went and filed bankruptcy. See, we live in a world where people don't want to take responsibility. He did that. He should owe that money. That's my feeling, and that's what the Bible says. Because if you don't pay back, the Bible considers you a wicked person. Ecclesiastes 5.5 says it, Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Now, have you ever had to co-sign a loan for a loved one or a child? You are so smart. Come on, Sister Jamie. No, don't do that. Don't co-sign. If you're a parent, you're co-signing for that. That loan just became yours. Just became yours. I know, I know people, I've uh, worked with people that they are paying for their 
son or daughter's car. And then the son and daughter move back in, so now they're paying for their food and everything else. And they're stuck with that loan. Don't co-sign. That, just, that, that binds you to that loan. That you're, you're now in bondage to the lender. So just don't do it. Proverbs 22 through 26 through 27 says, Be not thou one that strike hands, or them that are sureties of debt. If thou hast nothing to pay, why should he take away thy bed from under the tree? If you don't have the money to buy, just don't buy it. If you want to buy a house, who wants to buy a house? Have their own house in your name. Praise God. It's an investment, right? <clears throat> if you make enough money to spend 1500 bucks a month on a mortgage, and that's it, don't buy that $3 million mansion across town because that's going to be about 25000 a month. Pay for what you can afford because if you do the opposite, you're going to find yourself in debt and you're going to lose everything. And then you're going to feel miserable. You don't want to do that. We've got we to gotta count the cost before we get into it. So how about, can we loan money to people? Have you ever loaned to a family member or a friend some money? If you have, you have just become a lender. And there's instructions in the Bible about how to be a lender. Can you believe it? That the Lord, several thousand years ago, would know today, tonight, that I'm teaching a bunch of people that if they are just blinging with money and they lend money to people, I'm going to give instructions in my word how to handle that properly and still be honorable before him. Our God knows what he's doing. Luke 6, 34, 35 says, And if ye lend to them whom, ha- whom ye have hope to receive, what thing have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good, to- and, do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. It's not always easy because what we give, we always want back. It's human nature. But when we give, we shouldn't expect not to get it back. Because if you expect to get it back, that's when you fall into, hey, you still got to love them. And if you're holding on to that loan, if you're holding on to that debt that they owe you, that's going to bring division. That's going to bring animosity. You're going, to, you're going to get in their face someday and say, hey, you owe me money. I gave you that money with the expectation of you to pay me back. And, and the Bible says, don't expect it back. So if you give money, if you want to give me money, don't expect me to give it back. I just read it. So just, where's that offering played at? Where's that offering? We're going to take up another offering. Exodus twenty two twenty five says, If thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him a user. So if you loan money to a brother or sister. So Brother Nichols, if I loan you money, 500 bucks. Doesn't get you much in this day and age. But if I give you 500 bucks as a quote-unquote loan, number one, I'm not going to expect you or hold you to paint it back unless God puts it on you to give it back. Because I don't want any animosity any bitterness, any hatred to come into my heart because of $500. And along with that, the interest rate I am going to charge you is 0% interest rate. You don't charge your brother and sister interest. The Word of God says you don't make money on your brothers and sisters. If you do that, the Lord is not pleased with you. If you've done that, you need to pray about it and try to make things right because you don't want to make your gain off of somebody else's loss. Not in the house of God. So, this is the one I enjoy talking about, credit cards. How many in here have a credit card? All right. Our credit cards, Sister Wisnett, 
good or bad? They can be good, and they can be really, really bad. So, as a Christian, should you have a credit card? You can. Absolutely, you can. So, I have a credit card in my pocket. So, I'm not going to be hypocritical and say, get rid of your credit cards and have mine in my pocket. You can have a credit card, but there's responsibility that comes with a credit card. Does anybody know what the current interest rate of a credit card is average right now? Sister Wisnett, you can't say it. You are looking. You're looking to get another credit card. Don't do it. Don't do it. Over 24%. That's insane. So what, what does that percentage mean? Well, if you go out and you buy something for... Example, say $3,000 on that $5,000 credit card you got. You buy that. They're going to send you a bill, and it's going to say, pay off, $3,000. Minimum payment, $79.99. And you're like, wow, I got $3,000 worth of goodies, and I only have to pay $79.99 a month. That $3,000 item, by the time you never pay it off, just costs you about $150,000 because of interest. Because if you pay the minimum, you never pay that amount off. Because at 24% interest, you never make that up. You never gain. So if you have a credit card, pay it off every time you use it, every month. Don't carry over the balance because if you carry over the balance, that's where that 24% interest rate comes into play. Only charge on it if you can pay it off monthly. Now, there are emergencies that may come up that you may have to throw on, on, a, on a credit card that you might not be able to pay off that month. You may have to incur 20, uh, you know, a 24% or higher uh, interest rate on the next month. But that should be your financial focus until it's paid off. Don't, don't go out to dinner with your buddies and your friends and your family. You stop going out. You go get top ramen. You, you start fasting. You get spiritual and start praying and skipping some meals. And you get that paid off. Because you'll fall into a rut. Like I have a relative, family member that did. Got into a rut. And they're getting so close to being debt free. And they got in this moment of depression. And what are... Two things that are guaranteed when somebody gets in depression. You start eating garbage and spending money. So it's going to come. That depression is going to hit. And if spending money is your thing, you're going to take that credit card and max it out. Because you want to get that momentary high. That momentary adrenaline of getting something new. I bought a new car. I bought a new car. And it rattles. It makes noises. It, it, there's, there's noises. So now I feel like I need to buy another new one. Because even though this is a 2020, that my, our family car, I, I feel since it rattles, it must be old and I need a new one. And people will get in those moments of depression and they will go buy that because of a rattle or a door ding or a scratch. I made fun of my uncle for 20-some years because my uncle Gary, he's a fire chief. And he, he would buy, no joke, he'd buy a new truck. And he'd drive it until he needed new tires. And then he'd go get another new truck. He did that for years. I'd make fun of him. I said, Uncle Gary, you could just give me that truck. If you just give me that truck. I tried to buy one of his trucks off him because he had bought a really nice Chevy, uh, heavy duty. And I said, you could have just gave me that truck, Uncle Gary, because all I need to do is put new tires on his brand new truck. Brand new truck. He took care of it so good. They made, the dealerships made money on him. 
So don't, don't, don't fall into that. Got to buy, got to buy, got to buy. Do your best never to carry any, anything over. Um, if you can't stop buying with a credit card, and it's causing you financial stress, what do you do with it? Cut it up. Credit cards are just like alcohol and drugs. If you can't separate yourself with it because it's in your home, get rid of it. Get it out of the house. Don't go to the, don't go to liquor stores anymore. Don't go to the neighborhood where they sell drugs. You got to get rid of it if you want to beat it, right? Same with credit cards. If you want to beat that credit card, you got to get rid of it. Cut it up. And then it's going to force you to live off what's in your checking account. It's going to force you to budget. And we'll get to that. I hope this is all right. I hope this is all right. And then you're going to have to make sacrifices. If you are in, in debt right now, um, you're going to have to make sacrifices to get out of debt. I'm just going to be honest. Just going to be honest. Um, 2022 has been a, um, a miracle year for me and my family. 2022, the Lord made a way for us to become debt-free. God did that. God did that. But I want to tell you, it, it took sacrifice. There's times that we didn't go do what we wanted to do. We stayed home. There's times that we would crunch, or I would crunch the numbers. If I fly back to Iowa, it's going to cost us $4,000. But if I drive, I can make it in 3980 and save 20 bucks. So we drove, and my family did not like me for it. Because when I drive, I drive, Brother Nichols. I don't like to stop. My daughters will say, Daddy, I got to go to the bathroom. I was like, honey, not for another 250 miles, you're not. We are not stopping until I get to Salt Lake City, Utah. And my family still loves me. But you're going to have to make sacrifices. You're going to have to start cut, counting those pennies. Now, I don't treat my family like that. I was just joking. Keeping you all involved, keeping you all together. My family is well taken care of. They're, they're spoiled, I think. Um, and I don't make them sit in the car for 18 hours nonstop because we have to stop, fill up the gas. So I let them out and stretch their legs every once in a while. <clears throat> so it's going to take sacrifice to get out of debt. You're going to have to make those decisions. If you want to be debt-free, if you want to ever get financially free, you've got to make sacrifices. You've got to make those sacrifices. You can't depend on everybody else to sacrifice for you. And what I mean by that, don't sit in there and say, I've got to save $200 uh, dollars this month, Sister Barbara, so I'm going to put my $200 in the bank, and then I'm going to go to Sister Wisdom and say, can I borrow $200? Because according to the Word of God, I don't technically have to give it back. Absolutely. There's a, there's a special place in the lake of fire for people who manipulate and steal from those in the house of God, their brothers and sisters. So you have to make that sacrifice. And if you will be willing to make that sacrifice, you can find yourself debt-free and financially free. Now, financial freedom does not mean you're debt-free. It doesn't mean you're rich. It doesn't mean you have gobs of money. You're the, that duck that would swim through the golden in a cartoon. It doesn't mean that, that's what, that you have it all together. It just means that money does not control you. The need to buy things doesn't control you. The need to keep up with the Joneses does not control you. And you make the decision on what you spend your money on and what you don't spend your money on. That's financial freedom. Financial bondage is when you don't have the control and you just go buy money. That is where we have problems in this nation is people don't have self-control. We've got to learn to be content. So... Buying a car, I know everyone in here is probably in today's market has fifty to sixty to eighty to hundred thousand dollars just sitting in your bank account waiting for that new car to hit the showroom floor. And you're gonna go pay cash. 
It's a great feeling. Uh, so I'm told. Uh, but again, you know, there, there's other people that teach financial freedom that have millions in the bank. And they will do that. They will go and they will write a check for a car and they expect everybody else to, to live that way too. I'm boots on the ground, living where you all are living at, having to pay my utilities, having to feed my family. I don't have millions in the bank just waiting to just be spent. So I have to be logical. I have to use wisdom. And I have to, to, to think and pray about everything that I do when it comes to finances. It, when, I, when I go to buy a car, I don't just just go buy a car to buy a car. We research. We look for a good car. Then we look for deals. And one of the things I'm always, I'm be honest, I'm a cheapskate. I'm going to look for those once-in-a-lifetime things where 60 months, no interest. Then you're not losing money. You're buying the car. So look for those types of deals if you do need a new car. But, and again, buy what you can afford. If you can only afford a Chevy Cavalier, don't buy a Maserati. And, and there's different ways in which you can purchase things and do things. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of different ways. I'm going to try to skip ahead. Um, if you get into buying a home, those that wanted to buy a home, you've got to be really careful because the people that are lending you money are not there to do you a favor. They, they really don't care if you can afford that house or not. They don't care. Um, when I, when I w- bought my first house, and I shared a little bit about the testimony of how I was broke, and this is where God gave me this uh, financial freedom. And when I sat down with a lender, and they're going through saying, you know, checking how much money I had and how much I could afford and, and paying, paying for a mortgage. And, and they looked at my gross, and they said, well, you can afford a house for this hundreds of thousands of dollars. So well, what would the payment be on that? And they're like, it would be $2,800 a month. I was like, you're looking at, look at the bottom number. Look at that number on the bottom that says net, what they deposit in my account. That's like half of what you just said the mortgage would be. How can you approve me for a loan? You'll figure it out. They don't care. They don't care if you can afford it or not. And they will get you in a ridiculously dumb loan. A lot of them start with the word variable because that's the dumb one I fell into. A variable fixed. Now that I've got a little more knowledge, I ask myself, what does variable fixed actually mean? It means nothing. It means they're going to take you and rake you or the coals for as much money as they can get out of you. It's exactly what it means. It fools you. It tricks you into thinking you're getting a fixed loan, and it's not a fixed loan. It's a variable, and it will and can go up substantially every month. That's the first loan I got, and that's why I found myself broke. So there's different types of loans out there, but the bottom line is you want to really just get into a fixed, plain fixed loan at the best and lowest interest rate you can find. And then again, don't buy a house you can't afford. My wife gets on me all the time. I go on these real estate websites, and instead of looking at houses that I could afford, like that one-bedroom studio shack out in the middle of nowhere that has no electricity, I'm looking at these million-dollar homes, you know, three, four-million-dollar homes. I just, I, I was going to school to be an architectural engineer is what I started out going to college for, and uh, God had different plans for me. So I'm just, I like design. I like designing homes. I, I've, I've, architecturally, I've designed uh, blueprints of houses that I could hand to a builder, and he could build the house off my blueprints. So I, 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 I could do that. That was years ago. But I would look at these million-dollar homes. My wife would tell me all the time, why are you looking at houses you can't afford and that we're not going to buy? And I was like, look at how they have the archway. Look at that. It's just, man, look at how they have the lights. Look at, the, look at that mantle around the fireplace. I mean, the, I could park my truck in the bathroom. 
and wash and wax it and not even touch any walls. I mean, who wouldn't want to just sit there and look at houses like that? But you want to look for what you can afford and really crunch the numbers. You crunch the numbers. Don't let them crunch the numbers because the number they're going to give you is a different number than what's actual that you can afford. But just to give you an example of what, when I bought my first house, I bought my house first uh, for $300,000. Cheap. Now. Back then it wasn't. It was in 2003. And I had a 5% fixed rate for 30 years. Eventually, I got in that fixed rate. At first it wasn't. So by the time I got in the fixed rate, the loan was like 310000 because they, they take you over the coals. So how much did I pay for the house? 300000 I had 5% interest rate for 30 years. My estimated mortgage payment was 2000 I just rounded down. It was 2100 but I round down for easy math. So $2,000 a month times 12 months equals $24,000. I can figure that out from Iowa. That's high school education right there. Now, you take that $24,000 based on my monthly mortgage note by 30 because that's how long the loan is, and I ended up paying $720,000 for a $300,000 house. We don't think about those type of numbers when we're looking at a home loan. We don't think about those type of numbers when we're willing to spend 8 to 10 to 12% on a car loan. We just think, I'm buying this car for $50,000 at 20% interest rate as I drive it off the lot, and then you're paying that minimum payment of $500 or whatever it is, month after month after month, and finally, five years after you made that loan, you're like, I own the car. I only bought it for $30,000. But what you didn't realize is you actually paid $75,000 just in interest. And that car becomes very expensive when you start breaking down those numbers. So you want to make sure that you know what you're getting into before you uh, start the transaction. The Bible says count the cost. These are the numbers you've got to be looking at when you get into these adventures of either trying to buy an expensive car or a home or whatever it is or take out you know, credit or whatever. And then another thing they'll do is they'll sucker you into trying to take an equity line of credit out. You don't want to fall for that. You're, you're becoming a borrower again, and they're just getting more money out of you. So don't do that. So if you ever have to go out and borrow money, take out a loan, uh, whatever the case may be, always look for the lowest interest rate because the lower the interest rate, the less money you lose. So always look for the lower interest rate. Is this okay? I hope, I mean, y'all probably, some of y'all probably think this is just basic stuff, but you know what? Some people miss the basics and they're in debt today because they miss the basics. So I'm trying to get people to where they're seeing the basics and understanding the basics and then hopefully be able to dig their way out. We need to be a, big, a good steward of, of what God has given. First Timothy 3, 4 through 5 talks about one that ruleth well his own house. This is, this, is, this is to Timothy. Timothy's receiving this. Having his children in subjection with all gravity, meaning they, they, they snap too. They obey their parents. The Bible also says children who obey their parents have a long life. Again, study the whole Bible out and see what it says about this stuff. You'll be amazed how thorough the Bible is on many topics of life. For if a man know not how to rule his own home, how shall he take care of the church of God? Some people struggle. I want to be a pastor. Why they would want to be a pastor? You want to make sure you're called to be a pastor. I want to be a minister. Make sure you're called to be a minister. Because if you're not called, it's going to drive you crazy. You're going to get frustrated because you're dealing with people. Of course, not y'all. 
other people. But you got to, you, if you can't manage your own home, if your home's in disorder, if your home is chaotic, if your home is upside down in debt and you're living all kinds of ways and your family's all discombobulated and divided, you can't expect God to use you in ministry. Get our homes in order. That's all of it. We need to get our finances in order. We need to get our kids in order. Uh, where's, your, where's your daughter at, Brother Nichols? You need to get her in order, my lands. Oh, she's in the sanctuary. I'm sorry, Sister Kristen. <laughs> Praise God. Just kidding. Just teasing, just teasing. But we need to have our house in order because God expects that. So many times we go through this life blind of what God expects of his children, just hoping that if we don't see it, God won't see it. But God knows his word better than we do. He wrote it. And he's got it memorized. And he doesn't forget. So we can't just turn a blind eye to what the word of God says and expect God to forget it. We've got to understand he honors his word. He, he, he honors what he gave us in instructions. And if we follow his instructions, God honors that. If we obey his word and, and, and give according to his word teaches, he honors that. And that's where the Bible says in Malachi, he's going to open up the windows. Pour out a blessing you cannot contain. Lord, I'm ready. Who else in here is ready? We got more Bible schools to build. We got more churches to build. We got we got with different ministries that that Pastor and I have talked about for years that we want to start here in Vacaville. I mean, there there are things that God can do in this city, and He will do in this city. And if if He's going to use me, I'm going to need a little more money. Take the wealth of the wicked and give it to your children. Um, 1 Timothy, oh, Luke 6, 16, 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust in the much. If, so if you're stealing from the kitty bank, the offering plate, God's not going to give you a position where you can steal more. You will not be put on the church board. You will not be a pastoral advisor. You will not be considered an elder or a bishop. You gotta be honorable. You gotta be honorable. We got we gotta have our home in order. First Timothy five eight. But if any man, if any provide not for his own home, ooh, this is bad stuff. I cannot believe that this is in the book of Timothy. What was he thinking? But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and he is worse than an infidel. So good luck trying to get through the pearly gates. Because infidels don't get there. But this is hard, Brother Chase. Not if you do it right, it's not hard. Not if you get your flesh in order. If you check your flesh at the altar, this is easy. And if you will check your flesh at the altar and start living in obedience to the word of God and he starts blessing you and he starts just fixing things in your finances and in your life, you're going to be like, why didn't I do this years ago? If, if it was this easy to sacrifice unto the Lord, then why didn't I start sacrificing before? Why was I trying to hold on and get my own wealth and get my own gain when it just slipped through my fingers through one way or another? But when I give to the Lord, he just, just pours out blessings, just pours out miracles. I shared last night, and I've been thinking about it um, since then, Sister Wisnett, about a time when uh, in this building where we were... The Lord blessed me with, I believe, I was just studying, I'm pretty sure it was $3,000 exactly. The Lord blessed me with $3,000, and I was like, bam, yeah, I'm going to go buy me this, I'm going to go buy that. I was all excited. 
come into church. I was like, man, it's hot in here. The air conditioner went out. Sister Alicia, I was looking at you. I was looking at Brother. I was looking at everybody else. Sister Jamie, I was looking at y'all. I was like, Sister Gabby, y'all can pay for that. This this three thousand mine. I got plans for my money. I didn't really have that attitude, but you know, I'm still human, right? And I had needs. I wasn't going to go out and just buy expensive dinners. I had bills to pay. And um, but the Lord really just said, "Who's first? So I gave it to the Lord, and I'm like, I'm giving it to the Lord, Brother Clifton, and I know God's going to give it right back. And I went to the mailbox the next day, it wasn't there. The next day, it wasn't there. The next day, it wasn't there. And I believe it was something to do, probably with taxes, I can't remember, but something I was dragging my feet on. And um, I waited and waited and waited, and I did not receive that $3,000 into my bank account or into my mailbox. And I really started getting discouraged because sometimes in ourselves, even though I'm a minister, associate pastor, sometimes I'm human. Very rare. But sometimes I'm human, more often than not. And I'm like, Lord, I still got these bills. And then the Lord put something on my heart. He says, I want you to preach this. I'm like, okay. And I studied what the Lord put in my heart. And then he said, I'm going to have you, I'm going to send you to Oregon. You're going to preach it in Oregon. I said, man, finance is already tight. Now we're going to be filling up the car with gas and driving to Oregon to preach, preach in Oregon. I was like, if that's what you want, Lord, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Drove to Oregon, preached the message. God moved in a mighty way. Wonderful altar call. You know, some people say, well, how many people got the Holy Ghost? I don't count how many people got the Holy Ghost. I count how many people pray through. How many people got their heart right with God and are going to live for God? That's what I'm concerned about. I see people get the Holy Ghost and never come back. But I want people to live for God. And had an awesome altar call, and I was just jazzed up. I was like, my God can do anything. I'm not, I wasn't even thinking about that money. I was not, not even thinking about anything. God was just good, just moving on people's hearts and lives. And I was like high-fiving the Lord, and I'm like, yeah. We get in the car, and we're driving back. And about halfway home, I was reminded through my flesh about Bill's that are still there on my desk that I hadn't paid yet. <sighs> I got home and I went to the mailbox and there's a stack of bills in there. And I don't live in debt, but you got PG&E, you got utilities, you got your garbage, those type of bills. And I was going through those and I, I, I there's two envelopes. I remember now, there's two envelopes that was just in with the bills. And I was like, oh, that's this. I opened up the first one. I was like, whoa, that's a check, a nice check. I went through a couple more envelopes, and there's another envelope that looked the same. And I was like, open it up, and there's, there's another check. And if you add the two checks up, it's more than the 3000 So not only did the Lord bless me with enough to pay back the 3000 and take care of those bills, but he left me some extra on the back end of it. So God doesn't, he's not just enough God. He is all God. And he can pour it out in a mighty way. And I did just like my pastor instructed. I signed the back of that check and I raced to the bank and put it in the bank and watched it cash. (sighs) But God is faithful. I had to get past myself though. I had to get past the money thing and get back focused on the soul business that we are in as Christians. And once I got my mind focused on the right thing, he took care of the rest. And I encourage you, if you find yourself in a position where you're struggling, make sure that's first. 
Make sure the kingdom is first. And if it's not first, get him first in your life. And God will take care of the rest. We need to have good work ethic. Uh, Proverbs 13.11 is where you get the easy come, easy go. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. But he that gathereth by labor, meaning if he works for it, it's going to increase. No one likes to hear that word, work for it anymore. You know, there's a, man, there's a scripture in the Bible that's rough. The Bible says, if man don't work, what? It's in your Bible too? Oh, my lands. I see way too many people eating plenty of food, but ain't working. God still honors his word whether they have food or not, whether somebody else is providing. God honors his word. I remember when I was just brand new in church, and I'd go out with the youth, and I don't know how these young people did it. I didn't have parents to, to borrow money from, but every service, my lands, we'd be going out to eat someplace. How did they do it? I don't know. And um, I remember Chevy's was one of my favorites because they'd bring you those free tortillas, <laughs> and I didn't have a job. So I'd eat the free tortillas and chips. And... Um, I got really good at put the butter in it when it's hot, then fill it full of sugar, roll it up, and oh, you're zinging. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. And I lived on those for a little while because there's a Bible says that if you don't work, you don't eat, and I wasn't working at the time. And I was not going to break the word of God and go to my brothers and sisters sitting at the table and buy me food. I wasn't going to do it. There's a few times people offered, hey, let me get you a taco. That's okay. No, I'll get you a taco. I want to bless you with that. Okay, that's fine. But I never asked for a meal. Because I knew the word of God says, if you're not going to work for it, you're not eating. And you're not going to take advantage of your brothers and sisters. You've got to work for it. That's Bible. That's Bible. We want to honor the word of God. We want to honor the word of God. Saving for retirement, investing. It's okay to, to, to have a savings account. It's, or, it's okay to have something um, in, in, in the bank. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19 says, Change them that are rich in the world. Oh, charge them that are rich in the world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in the uncertain riches, but in the living God. Trust in the Lord. Don't trust in your riches. It doesn't say don't be rich. It says don't trust in those riches. Who, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works. He wants us to be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to, to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. We used to call that, where I'm from, a rainy day fund. When things are looking upside down, when the washing machine breaks, have a little bit in the savings account or your money market account or in the bank account that you could go out and buy a new one and not have to take out a loan. Right? The Bible talks about saving money for those days to come. I'm going to try and skip ahead to save time. Um, there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. So if a foolish man is spending it up, the treasure in the house of the wise is saving it up. You see how that, whatever that linguistic terminology would be I, I didn't i didn't study english i was studying to be an architectural engineer so investing i'm getting ready getting really close to closing investing how many people want to invest in the future you want to have something there that you don't have to work forever i want to retire someday i'll be honest i want to retire i don't want to work till i'm dead um 
I may work till I'm raptured. If that's the Lord's coming in the next couple of years, then I'll work till I'm raptured. But I don't want to work if the Lord's a Terry for another 50 years. I don't want to be having to, to be on a job. So I'm trying to save and invest so I have a retirement so I can retire from the secular world, not the spiritual world. Some people get that mixed up when they say they can retire from this physical world, this secular world. I can also retire from my ministry in the church. You may not have the strength or energy to be the pastor, but you're still the elder. You're still the wise counsel. You're still the one that's leading and guiding. You, we, 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 everyone sitting in this place tonight have an obligation as a child of God to be a child of God. And that never stops. Never stops. I, I remember a pastor friend of mine was telling me about his, his dad was laying in bed, had, I think it's Alzheimer's. He couldn't remember who people were. And um, this elder's wife went into the, the hospital room where he was laying and grabbed his hand or kissed his forehead or whatever. And he said, back away. I am a minister of God, and I am happily married. It was his wife. He couldn't remember his wife, but he remembered his calling. It's amazing how that worked. Married to the same woman for 50-plus years, didn't recognize her, but remembered his calling. I thought that was, just, I thought that was a very awesome, awesome story. So there's different ways to invest. If you have a checking account, that's great, but you're not going to make any money on the checking account. If you have a savings account, that's great, but you're going to make like two cents. You might make 0.5 cents if you have a money market. It's just a little bit more than a savings account, but a little bit more, right? If you're just worried about putting your money in the bank, put it in the wherever you get the highest interest rate to grow your money. Now, if you're the person like my uncle was, where all his money was in his pillowcase or under his mattress, literally, you don't get any gain. You just, everything just goes down when you spend money. So look for the highest interest rate that you can find. Now, if your company provides a 401k, and if it has a matching program where they match it, maximize that. If it's 3% maxing, if it's 8%, 20%, whatever, maximize that matching fund because that's free money. They're giving you that money. So maximize it for your own benefit because that money is going into your account to, to grow. If you don't have a matching fund, then you put into your 401k what you can afford to put in. I don't know your finances. I'm not an investing manager. I, I know a little bit about investing, but my retirement account, I have somebody else manage it for me because I don't want to get consumed with that. And if you want to make money on the stock market, you will become consumed playing the trends. So you want to maximize that, do your best you can. But again, Never compromise tithing and offering to build up your own net worth. Don't do it because you'll fall. There's IRAs out there. Those are pre-tax savings that you can put into. You don't pay taxes on that money. So uh, the money that goes into your IRA comes out pre-tax, meaning before the tax man takes their money, this money goes into your account. What that ultimately does is it lowers the gross amount of your income to a little bit lesser, maybe bracket, and you pay less taxes overall. But when you go to take that money out of that IRA or your 401k, you'll pay taxes at that time. So you don't beat the tax system. You're just not paying it up front. Um, if, you, if you do the pre-taxing, it's great. But just remember, taxes will be there when you need to pull it out. And there's different ways uh, on your investment accounts that you can actually draw from when you want to draw from. You can make it your, uh, your income account. You can do lump sums, whatever the case may be. But you've got to research that yourself at that time, what's best for you and your family, if that may be the case. There's a Roth IRA. Those are after-tax investments. There's no penalties or, or uh, taxes when you withdraw because you've already paid taxes on it when you put it in. 
Uh, you can put them in CD. The way a CD works is you buy a CD at a bank or credit union or whatever it is. Say it's $1,000 for three years. Well, you put it in the CD for $1,000 for three years, and it may gain 3% interest. But you can't touch that money for that one year. That's how CDs work. So if you don't want to put in a 401k or a different one, you can put it in CDs and, and for one, three, five years. And each, the longer you put it in there, the more the interest rate is for growing. You can also do that to invest your money to grow. Um, there's bonds. And when you get into the markets, there's bonds and there's stocks. Nice thing about bonds is bonds do not have the uh, crazy spikes and cliffs. Bonds are more like this. So if you're just in the beginning of your 401, you're in your 20s, and you have... 30, 40 years before you want to retire, play hardball. Put it all in stocks and let it ride, right? Because you're going to get those moments when that stock's going to go up and you're going to think, wow, I'm rich. Two days later, it's going to drop and you're going to be broke. But you have time in that 401k if you're going to retire in 30 years for building it up. If you're closer to retirement, you want to flip out of your stocks and go into a bond situation so that money stays there. It'll go up and down a few thousand dollars instead of a few hundred thousand, depending on how much money you have in there. So those are different options when you get into like 401ks or, or retirement account. Um, but you got to research those yourselves. I'm not, I can give advice and stuff on what I, a little bit I know, but I really want you to f look into that yourself. Don't come to me and expect me to do that for you because I don't want to give you wrong answers and then you're mad at me, right? The stocks we have, the investments climate we're in now is very volatile. Things could fall off a cliff at any minute. Um, and I would not be the one that want to say invest in this and then it falls off the cliff and now you're mad at me and leave the church or whatever or there's division between us because of that so i will i'll give you some options please research it out if you have questions i can i can research stuff with you and kind of explain things but I, i'm not going to tell you what stock to buy or anything like that just for unity of the brother and sisters i, I won't, don't want to do that so where do we go from here I'm trying to hurry so get your finances in order just do it i mean if nike can just do it you can just do it right they made, they made billions of dollars off that slogan. And if they can make money off it, if you'll just do it, you'll make money off it. And you'll find yourself financial free. Just do it. Get your finances in order. How do you get your finances in order? Well, you got to master your money. Track your money in so what you're getting paid or whatever increase comes your way. Again, when you're tithing, if you want to be completely blessed in, the, in your tithe, it's your increase, not just your paycheck. So if you have, let's say, let's say that uh, you have a paycheck, but you also mowed my yard, and I paid you 100 bucks a month to mow my yard. That's increase. You, you tithe on that increase. You want to you want to you want to capture that because you don't want to rob God. Because when you rob God, if you continue to read in Malachi, it says He puts a curse on us, and we don't want our God to curse us because we can rebuke the devil. <laughs> you ain't gonna rebuke God. You can break the spells and the uh, and the chains and the bondage of the devil. In Jesus' name, but you can't break them when it's God. So you don't want to rob God and have him curse you. So master your money. Have an accountability buddy. Nobody likes this anymore. Accountability buddies is like pen pals, right? Everybody had a pen pal. Everybody had an accountability buddy, but nobody wants it no more because we're too private. I don't want no one knowing my business. But what that does is that puts you on an island, and you can't trust people. And if you can't trust people, you figure you got to figure it out yourself. Or you're just hoping and praying that God will speak to Pastor or Brother Chase and, and, and he'll preach the word that I need. And you may, be, you may be praying that and God will use us that way, but there may be somebody else praying for that same request on the other side of the church. And sometimes it's difficult to get both of those in the same message. I've seen God do it. People call it, say, I'm chasing rabbits. 
But that's why I'm chasing rabbits, because somebody over here is praying for God to give them a word, and somebody over here is giving, giving me a different word, and somebody in here is giving me a different word, and that's why I preach for a long time. It's not my fault. It's because there's people that have needs, and I'm chasing rabbits as God's leading me down that path. Not, I'm not a... I won't go that way. I won't chase a rabbit on that one. But, but find someone you can trust. If, you're, if you have a spouse, hopefully you can trust your spouse. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. If you can't, I have another series I teach. It's called <laughs> Happy Marriage. <laughs> and I'll start teaching that for whoever needs it. Because marriages, we should be happy in our marriage. But find an accountability buddy that you can consult in, that you can just bounce things out. I have found out in my life, and I've been, I've been I, I'm not full-time, but I've been in ministry under Pastor Wisnet for 13 years now, uh, licensed. Pastor was there in the convention center as I was sweating bullets, having to go before all these people. But, but I, I, over, over those years, and even before that, when I was just helping out in ministry, I, I realized that most people will figure out their own problems by just having someone to talk to. And you don't need to go pay thousands of dollars to some therapist that has no godly mind at all when you can just send a text or you can set up a meeting with one of the godly ladies in this church, if you're a lady or, or a pastor or myself, one of the godly men, and you start talking out your situation, whether it's financial, whether it's addiction, whatever that case may be, by the end of that conversation, I may say one or two words, but you're going to find yourself a path to get out of that. If we will just have somebody to, to be accountable for, or somebody that we can uh, trust. Be honest in all your doings. Be honest. Just be honest. You know, we don't want to be like our, who oh, almost said father of the devil by being a liar. That's what the word of God says. Because if you're a liar, you're not obeying God. So we don't, we want to do everything we do honorably and in order. Why? Because if you're not doing things honorably and in order, when you go out there and say, hey, come to First Church Vacaville, that's where I go. And they see how you're living. They're going to expect that that's how the whole church is. And now you just discredited our God, discredited First Church, discredited Pastor Wisnett. Because he's going to get up here and preach, thus saith the word of God. And that person's going to know that you just told them that's not important by your actions. So it's important that we, we do things honest and admirable, uh, honorable before God. So there's financial counseling out there. There's books you can read that'll help you. Just like there's counseling uh, for newlyweds, I encourage all newlyweds to go through uh, some type of, a, actually, before they become a newlywed, go through some marriage counseling and incorporate in that marriage counseling some financial counseling, uh, financial freedom lessons, because that is still the number one issue in homes today, even in church. We always want to blame the devil. It's the devil's fault that I can't spend money, Right? can't manage my personal actions so we want to make sure that we, we we focus on that seek godly advice for that again seek godly advice don't just go randomly through yellow pages they don't have that google and find someone to call that says they're a counselor or a therapist and just call them and ask for their advice they're not going to give you godly advice you want to go to the word of god you want to have something that's going to give you the right 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 answers i promise i'm really close um so what are we going to do from here um you're going to save money to buy those big things. How do you get to saving money? You're going to start budgeting. You're going to actually take a physical piece of paper, or if you're tech savvy, an Excel spreadsheet or whatever the, whatever the, the, the Apple thing's called, um, and you're going to start a budget. And you're going to track what your gross is, what's taken out from your company, and what your net is. That's going to be on that piece of paper. And then you're going to itemize everything you spend money on. 
everything. If you're struggling financially, you have to itemize everything because you need to see exactly where your money's going and know where you can cut back. I have seen many people not even realize how much money they're spending. I was hearing through the grapevine of someone, they live locally, they're not in church, but they're having very serious marital problems because they weren't as wealthy as they used to be due to the economy. So the husband started going through and looking at where the money was going and finding out that his wife was spending upwards of $15,000 a year on Starbucks. And he said, no moss, no more. You get one latte a week. And it's going to be the, the kid's size. Who in here can afford 15000 a year on Starbucks? So it's better to manage and have it controlled up front than to find out after the fact and trying to reverse course. Because once our flesh gets used to something, we don't like to change. So we need to get a hold of it right when we start our budget. We need to find out where that money's going and tackle it right then when spiritually we're focused on getting our finances in order. Because if we wait and wait and wait, we won't do it. So get a budget. Discipline yourself to do that. Um, plan for the future. Give yourself some guidelines on savings, retirement, pleasure spending, etc. So one of the things I, I've done is I, I obviously tithing and offering comes out of the first. That's the first thing that I go that comes out of my checkbook and my checking account. When I whenever I get increased, I pay my tithe and offering. And and if it's I pay my tithes and offering on a Thursday, I write the check and I put it in my Bible. So I bring it to church because I want to make sure God got the first fruits of my increase. So that comes out first. Then I look at all my bills and what bills I have. And I budget that. And I look at what bills I can get rid of. And then I look at what do I need to do to save. And even if it's 20 bucks, try to save something. Force yourself to do that. And if that means you miss meals, you don't get to go out on, on the weekends, hang out with friends, whatever it is, force yourself to do that because you will bless yourself by doing that extra effort to get there. Um, Set up an emergency fund if you can. You may not have that emergency fund right away, but as you start to budget and as you start to follow a budget and make sacrifices, you will get to a point where you will have an emergency fund, whether it's 500 bucks or 1,000 bucks, um, that's in your bank account that you don't touch unless it's an emergency. Um, so again, priorities. Pay your tithes and offering. Pay all your bills and taxes. Save. And then live on what's left. Simple. Piece of cake. Everybody can do it. It's just you got to have the want to. If you don't have the one to, everything I've taught the last two nights, this night and last Wednesday night will do you no good. You've got to have the one to to want to get financial freedom in your life. The Word of God explains how to get there. You just got to follow the path, and God will lead you to financial freedom. God bless you. Let's stand. Thank you for your time. I was trying to. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.